Precision medicine, is it hype or help, fact or fiction? Welcome to Precision Insight. This is a podcast series where the most influential thought leaders and innovators in healthcare sit with me to chat about the latest technologies and tools of precision medicine. What is coming up in the near future? If you want to know more about this incredibly fast-moving field of research and development, stay tuned. Hello, everyone. I am your host, Roy St. Clair from Genexus Healthcare Systems. Today's guest is someone we always enjoy speaking to, Binas Sarami. Binas is a pharmacist and entrepreneur with a collaborative pharmacy consulting business known as Missouri Pharmacogenomics Consulting. She helps patients and their physicians navigate personalized medication management with a holistic approach to safer and more personalized medication management. Benas, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We're thrilled to have you here and to hear about your journey into this space. As we kick off, one of the topics we've been talking a lot about lately is pharmacists doing more and playing a bigger role in healthcare. So I'd like to open with a question to you, mm-hmm. which is really, what does it mean to you specifically for a pharmacist to practice at the top of their license? It's great. I think more pharmacists need to actually think sort of outside the box. I always talk about this with different pharmacists I talk to. We see ourselves in this box of retail and hospital world and kind of can't see beyond that. So once we realize all these other things we can offer, like there's roles at MSL, medical science liaison, we got pharmacovigilance, we got consultants, we got diabetic educators, medical writers. I mean, I can keep going, but we're just kind of boxed in into that role of retail and hospitals. It's kind of hard to see outside. So it's great to come outside that box and kind of be on the top of our line of education and we study and use it. So I think it's great. More people need to do that. I love to hear that. My understanding, that's a lot of what you have done with your consulting practice and what you're trying to help others do. Maybe can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your business? Yeah. So I guess I'll go backwards if that's okay to kind of tell you how it started so it would make a little more sense. So when I was in pharmacy school, I did research with Washington University here at the occupational therapy department. We would go into older adults' home in the poor zip codes. And back then I was a student, so I wasn't really able to consult with them or anything like that. But I would go in and look at their medication, kind of educate them, things like that. And I noticed the pattern every patient's home we went to that they're on at least 10 to 15 medications, but every single one of them kind of responded differently. So when I graduated, I stumbled upon pharmacogenomics. It kind of all made sense as to why that was happening. And so I started learning more about it and created a business around it, hoping to reach more providers, educate them and the benefits of it and have them implement that in their routine when they see their patients. But I've also noticed that a lot of times where I meet the providers, they're asking me all other things to do. So it kind of evolved into something totally different. So that's where we are today. So the business I have is more geared towards providers and showing them how to implement pharmacogenomics within their practice. And also I have other pharmacists kind of reaching out to educate them on that topic, how to start that business. Both of them kind of integrated together. Yeah. And that's the short version of it. That's brilliant. There's so many aspects of that story that I want to dig into in some more detail here from the pharmacogenetics to the supporting patients and providers and other pharmacists. Let's zoom in on when you were first starting and that process of approaching physicians and pitching them on your services. What was that like for you? So 
It was a bit challenging at first since a lot of the conversations was around more the insurance coverage, the patient's copay, out of pocket, and how do I profit from you coming to my practice and the liability of me actually seeing their patients and maybe saying the wrong thing. So all that, I had to do a lot of digging and research. Okay, so that that makes sense. Instead of me trying to go in there with the mindset of, okay, how do I have them buy my pharmacogenomics consulting? I want to just do PGX. Well, I had to step back and think, okay, they have these barriers or challenges. Let me dig into what they are and find a solution for their problem. So for the potential clients, instead of thinking how I can sell it, I just want to make sure that their questions are answered. So that's another way to think about it. So when I went in, we talked about what the insurance coverages were. And of course, the PGX benefits, like what the benefits of PGX is. If I went to a psychiatric office, for example, I, you know, we have a lot of SSRIs like antidepressants, for example. There's a lot of trial and error process there, which takes about months for someone to be mentally stable. So how can we cut that process into half? And what does that look like? And so how does your practice set up? What kind of patients do you have? Do you have a space for me to come in? Do you need me to educate your staff so they can do the PGX? So there's a lot of different topics. I went in there just raw thinking, okay, here's a PGX, there's the benefits, why don't we starting? But they had all these other aspects that I had to think about, which made sense. So it was challenging, but I kind of learned as we spoke, that was the process. I mean, as someone who has worked in entrepreneurial environments for a long time, that just resonates. That is such a critical step of making it work as a business owner or operator is really growing an understanding of your customer base. You know, not exactly. in a narrow sense of what you want to offer them, but what they're looking for and right. what's going to help them. I think that's great. In this instance, you were talking, you went from pharmacogenetics to more integrated pharmacy services. What was that evolution like? Where did you get your first client where they would say that you found a lock on something I could really use? Well, I think the main thing was still the, with the prescribers, their main issue at the end of the day was how they bring money into their practice. So I created this model when, why don't we try MTM? Cause that's billable. Why don't we try chronic care management? That's billable or diabetes education. That's billable. So all these things that kind of came around the model of PGX and so that's how I created this little, depending on when you sit with the provider and their needs and their clientele, what they're comfortable, we had to really find out what works best for them. And so that's how I created that little space or model for myself. A big piece of that sounds like it was trust building. You, know, you had to first understand them and then build trust with them that you were going to be you know, impacting their practice in the way they were looking for. And yeah, then- it- and, and sorry to interrupt, but uh, yeah, another part of that, exactly what you're saying is, is liability. They don't know who I was. I could come in and just mess up the whole thing or say something wrong or what are my credentials, which I totally get. So what my solution to that was, let's take a complicated, complex case and just do PGX on one of them. And I'll show you what I got, the results that comes back and what that looks like, what that means and go from there. There's no contracts you have to sign. There's nothing. It's just try one out. There's no cost to you. And let's pick a patient that's eligible for it and the insurance covers it and go from there. So I usually don't get someone saying, I don't want to do that. Interesting. Customizing the talk for the provider. So also about personalizing and customizing. So yeah, absolutely. And finding a way for them to engage with you 
that mm-hmm. seems low risk and obvious at first and use that to build trust. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Excellent. This strikes me as an important lesson you would tell other pharmacists when you speak to them. Do you have other pieces of advice that you tell pharmacists when they're aiming to play a more significant role in patient care? I'm a part of Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm a host of that network talking just about the section about PGX. So it'll be a lot of that coming up next. But what I would tell other pharmacists is just be confident that when you learn the PGX, when you are did your CE, you're good to go, you're ready to get started, just be confident because you're an expert in that field. And just focus about what will create value instead of just looking for the monetary. I get how we all want to make money, side business, side hustle, but you got to create value. And at the end of the day, that's what drives the business. And then the other thing I would say is have a plan of action. What's your daily goal? What's your weekly goal? What's your vision for the business? Have a mission statement, maybe have a coach to guide you through. I know when I started, I did a lot of the legwork. Took me so long to figure this out. If I could have someone, you know, help me throughout the way, get there faster, why not do it and do a lot of networking, learning, just really having that mindset of I'm not trying to sell my business, find what the problem is, find the solution for that. You know, what sets you apart? Why should somebody pick you? Just think that way versus how am I going to sell this product? Does that make sense? Absolutely. And just so the audience hears it again, the podcast that you are going to be hosting, it it starts soon. You have your first recording of it this week. Is that right? We do. I'm not sure when it'll come out, but yes, uh, the first recording is this week. And the Pharmacy Podcast Network is actually one of the largest podcasts dedicated to just pharmacy professions. So that's a very great place to learn a lot of things, not just PGX. they got other sections as well, but the PGX version is what we're really excited about. Mm-hmm. Well, we are eagerly awaiting those to start coming out and to be listening along as you progress on this journey. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Let's shift to talking about precision medicine more specifically. This being a podcast, obviously, about precision medicine. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about, you know, when you first heard of pharmacogenetics, you know, what do you, what you thought of it at the time and, and what drove you to really devote yourself to it so comprehensively? Yeah, so I think I remembered a very small section in pharmacy school and it totally went over my head. But when it came about, like I said, when I was going to these old people's homes, I realized it reminded me of my grandmother. Old people don't really have a voice. They think a lot of things that's happening to them, whether it's side effect or whether it's depression, whatever it is, it's normal process of aging. So they don't know any better. So they need some kind of an advocate. PGX is really not just for older people, but that's how it resonated with me. I should say that it could be for children with ADHD, for cancer patients. That's a great tool to use. I mean, a lot of different aspects, but I'm just gearing it for me towards my experience with it. It just resonated a lot with me because these older people, they need that little extra education. When it comes to precision medicine, a lot of them are on same medications. Like they're on, most of them antidepressant. Most of them are on cholesterol medication. Most of them are on blood pressure and most of them are on blood thinners. All those medications really have PGX value to them. So Plavix, for example, a blood thinner, if you don't have a particular enzyme working correctly, it might not be effective. So you're taking something, but you could potentially have another stroke. So it has a lot of value that's really not seen. So I think that's where that comes into play. It's great to hear. I mean, we're obviously biased and we see the evidence coming out every day 
building the case for pharmacogenetics in a variety of areas. And certainly elderly folks with multiple chronic conditions is a great place to start. You mentioned you broadened scope of your business. You started with pharmacogenetics and you broadened into more integrated pharmacy services, but it still is a part of your practice today, right? It is, yes. So the collaborative agreement practice we have with the site clinic, everyone that comes in, we do PGX on if they're eligible, if they fit, if we go through the assessment, of course, we don't just do everybody as they walk in the door. But yeah, and then to that point, I don't just do PGX. It's a more holistic approach where I sit down with the patient, go through all their medications, lifestyle management, drug-drug interaction, all that. So then when I see the report at the end of the day, I don't just have a raw piece of data sheet that I'm looking at. I have a patient behind it. And a great example I always use is if you have someone on cholesterol, I'm just using cholesterol, and and their lab value is fine, they don't have any muscle ache or anything like that, which is common with most statins. But on the report, it shows that maybe they should change the cholesterol to something else because their enzyme level or what have you shows otherwise. So there's a discrepancy between the two, but I just was with the patient. So realizing that the genetic test, the pharmacogenomic test, the results is just another tool to use. It's not all that. So that's where that patient interaction and sitting down with the patient, getting to know them is key as well. So you have a patient behind the raw data. That's very key. I think most people should do that. That's already been done, but that's key. Yeah, we certainly agree. You know, we see that power of pharmacogenetics, but it is one thread woven Mm -hmm. through the entirety of a patient, through their preferences, through their experience of medication, through all of their other biophysical traits and their current medications and their current conditions. There's so much else to think about. And considering those all holistically, as you put it, we really think is key to prescribing decisions and to medication management just generally. You're pushing people to understand the power of pharmacogenetics. You're introducing it to them. You're helping them introduce it to the practice or build businesses around it. What challenges have you had as you've introduced it to people, you know, either patients, providers, you know, where do you see the stumbling blocks? So like we talked about, it was the providers having another source of income coming to their practice because they see the value, but they also want to make money, which I get. So that's where other services comes around that, the MTM, chronic care management, diabetes. And with some patients, it's more the copay, but if Medicare pays for it, if you fit the criteria, of course, and then also you can always get pre-authorization. I had this one lady who really wanted to do PGX, wanted so much to learn more about her enzyme and her medication, but she was adapted and she didn't really want her parents. I wasn't quite sure the dynamics, but she wasn't really wanted her parents to get revealed or find her out or something. She was afraid of the access that people will now have her DNA. So that was another barrier for some patients, which I didn't know that's even a thing, but there's a lot of barriers. There may be a lot of barriers, but understanding what they are and how you can find a solution for them is really key. But like anything else, there's always barriers. You just have to find what they are and overcome them. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like you're doing a terrific job of building that trust so that you can help them overcome them. That's fascinating. You touched on earlier in our conversation, your business model as how you are able to charge for these services, including MTM, including chronic care management. Can you walk us through a little bit more 
how that actually works in practice for you? Yeah, so I charge a consult fee as I do a PGX, as I sit down with the patient, go over their medications, things like that. And then we have the MTM that we bill for. I've applied for grants for the psych clinic that I'm with, where we're going to be diabetic educated facility, which takes about a while to kind of go through that process. But that's another way to have billable income actually to the pharmacist themselves outside of the actual clinic, which you can have collaborative agreement with, but you can have a group of people, diabetes education. There's so many sources of ways to make money. It's just, you have to kind of think outside that box. So I have another grant that we did with Wash You again, where we actually go to people's homes, do the MTM. So there's just so many avenues of how you can bill. If you're just asking just for the PGX part, well, that's just a consult fee. You can add on to that. But outside of that, there's so much more value that you can provide that can be billable or you can get grants for it. No, and that's fascinating. We hear from so many pharmacists and from you know healthcare leaders who are talking about the really outsized role that pharmacists can play in improving care quality. And that's both satisfaction of patients, um, but also outcomes. You know, the starting point though for a lot of the pharmacists we speak to is figuring out these models of payment so they can have some assurance that when they're offering this high value care, they're seeing an income in it. They can build a business around it, which is really critical. What are the steps for you to actually build this successful PDX or, you know, more broadly pharmacy consulting business? Can you share a couple of lessons maybe that you've learned along the way? There's a lot of lessons I learned with the whole couple of years. So if I have to share them, it'll be a longer podcast. But if I had to pick <laughs> two main ones, I would focus on two, which is value, that you have to constantly think of your value and what that looks like. How do you provide value instead of let me sell something that I have? What's the value of what you're selling? I know it's priceless, but create the value for people. Let them see the value. You can provide a 15-minute free consultation to a patient. And then they'll see how valuable that information is. Oh my God, one more. So teach me more. I'm not advocating to do free work for pharmacists, but I'm just saying for me, do a little free mini valuable thing so people can see what they would get more if they just paid for the service. Besides the value, the second most important thing will be find the solution to the problem for the client you're thinking about. What sets you apart? Why would they have to pick you what problems do they have? What challenges that provider has in their practice? Do they have the space for you to even come in? Are, are they too far? So do you have to travel to them? Do they want you to train the staff for them? What are their patient population look like? So learn your client before you step into their office. So then you have a better understanding. And then when you talk to them, that puzzle piece kind of fits in into, okay, so now I have this client. What do I need to do? How do I get their bears instead of, okay, just me trying to sell something. So it's kind of backwards thinking. You have to think of your client. So those are the two lessons that I've learned and I have to share that those will be it. <laughs> well, I'm sure on another discussion, we'll dig into all of those other <laughs> reasons and I look forward to hearing them. This is all excellent advice. Benaz. You know, I hear you talking about really putting in the work to build a business with the goal of helping people, even starting out from a place of, I will go in and do this PGX consult for free because I want to demonstrate value. And that, that centering on value is critical. But surely you've heard people push back on this. They are cautious or 
you know, they really want to see the success before they're willing to move on. Do you have any comments for those pharmacists out there that are still waiting for something before they get started? I actually do. I don't believe in I can't. It's more of a, you know, you don't want to do something. I don't mean to downplay anyone's life, but I was a single mom. I went to online school. I did that four years online when my daughter was two and I had a part-time job and then I came out, had a full-time job. I feel like if I can do it with all the struggles I've been through, I know one's struggle is big for themselves, but for me, it was being single mom, full-time job, and I had to manage a business. That's a lot of work, you know, sleeping late at night, waking up at five in the morning. So I have more hours in the day. So it's possible. It's just a lot of work. So the mindset, again, thinking outside the box as a pharmacist is you are a business owner now. So everything is on you. So it's, it's possible. It just takes a lot of work and persistence. So if I can do it, I think anyone can. Well, I'm sure we have lots of pharmacists listening that are going to want to replicate that model. They're going to hear that call to action, that they can do more and they can play a bigger role. Uh, where can those pharmacists find you? Where can they reach out to you to better understand this and, and touch base and see how they can learn from you to build a business like this? So I'm on LinkedIn and also my website is miserypgx.com. So they can find me there or contact me there. Well, I hope they do. And I know we will be keeping in contact and looking forward to that podcast upcoming with you on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. But until then, thanks so much for joining the show. Thank you. I appreciate you having me here.